Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Understanding Canadian History, the podcast. My name is Amy Park, and I'll be your host for today. Today, we will be going into the question, what is the legacy of slavery in Canada? Did you know that slavery wasn't fully abolished in Canada until 1833? The legal definition of slavery is defined as slavery is the state of being under the control of someone where a person is forced to work for another. A slave is considered as property of another as the one controlling them purchased them or owns them, for them from their birth. The history of slavery in Canada is muddy and often not brought up, but it was a huge factor in shaping the country that is today. Slavery was a dark and horrific portion of Canadian history, but it was necessary for Canada to become the country it is today. The commencement of slavery has allowed for the Underground Railroad to become created and prominent figures such as Angelique to rise. To better understand slavery in Canada, the history of it should be understood. Slavery in Canada began in the early 17th century in New France. French colonizers in New France began the practice of chattel slavery, in which people were treated as personal property that could be bought, sold, traded, and inherited. The first slaves in New France were indigenous peoples, a large percentage of whom came from the Pawnee Nation located in present-day Nebraska, Oklahoma, and Kansas. Many were captured during the war and sold to other indigenous allies or to European traders. Some French colonists acquired enslaved black people through private sales, and some received indigenous and African slaves as gifts from indigenous allies. The transatlantic slave trade helped shape the presence and role of slavery in Canadian history. With the increasing use of African enslaved people in North America, a pattern of trade emerged that has since been called the Trade Triangle. European merchants would leave Europe for Africa, traveling in ships laden with goods. In Africa, they would exchange their goods for enslaved people and then transport them to the Americas, often in cramped and inhumane conditions. In the Americas, the surviving enslaved people would be sold and then goods produced by slave labor would be carried back to Europe for sale. Slaves saw their trade from a purely economic standpoint and viewed slave people as just another set of goods they could transport and sell. With this mentality, slavers denied the fundamental human rights of millions of African men and women. Slavery is often presumed to be African slaves with white European owners, but slavery was practiced by all sorts of people. As stated before, First Nation peoples would also enslave their own people and African Canadians. Out of approximately 4,200 slaves in New France at the peak of slavery, about 2,700 were indigenous people who were enslaved until 1783, and at least 1,443 were black people who were enslaved between the late 1600s and 1831. Over time, enslaved people from any indigenous group in North America were generally referred to as panis, a term that became synonymous with enslaved indigenous person. Indigenous and African individuals held in bondage were also commonly referred to as domestiques or servants, words that almost meant slave. Slavery in British North America commenced once Britain conquered New France in 1760. The Articles of Capulation signed at the surrender of Montreal on September 8, 1760 included a specific clause on enslavement. Article 47 stated, The Negroes and Panis of both sexes shall remain, in their quality of slaves, in the possession of the French and Canadians to whom they belong. They shall be at liberty to keep them in their service in the colony or to sell them, and they may also continue to bring them up in the Roman religion, granted except those who shall have been made prisoners. This clause stated that French inhabitants would not lose their slave property under the British regime and reinforce enslavement as legal under British rule. Article 47 also illustrates that there are enough enslaved people in New France to warrant a separate clause in the capulation of the entire colony. Although the policies in New France were changing, the enslavement of Africans and First Nations still continued. This legislation was introduced to protect the personal property of existing and future settlers. There were three main provisions. Baptism did not change slave status. Persons enslaved in Prince Edward Island remained so, unless manumitted. 
set free by their owners, and children born to enslaved women were also both enslaved. To encourage white settlers to relocate to the island, an act of parliament was instituted in 1791, offering 40 shillings for every Negro brought by such a white person. The significance of how dead set the people were to continue slavery really showed how much the nation craved control. Now that the history of slavery has been discussed, it is time to delve into the negative aspects of what slavery did to Canada as a nation. Canada has been hiding the fact that indigenous and African peoples were forced into bondage across colonial Canada for two centuries. Slave owning was widespread in colonial Canada. Individuals from all levels of society owned slaves, not just a political and social elite. People who enslaved black persons included government and military officials, disbanded soldiers, loyalists, merchants, fur traders, tavern and hotel keepers, millers tradesmen, bishops, priests, and nuns. While slave ownership filled a need for cheap labor, it also considered part of an individual's personal wealth. The law enforced and maintained enslavement through legal contracts that detailed transactions of the buying, selling, or hiring out of the enslaved persons, as well as the terms of wills in which enslaved people were brought on to others. At least 4,000 Africans were held in bondage for two centuries in the early colonial settlements of New France, Quebec, New Brunswick, Prince Edward Island, Nova Scotia, and Upper Canada. Like their American counterparts, Canadian slaves faced inhumane treatment and were subject to whippings, jail sentences, and hangings at the gallows. To resist their conditions, many slaves fled to the free territories of the northern U.S. in pursuit of their liberty. Canada does not like discussing its past involvements with slavery. When Canadians talk about slavery, we often point with pride to the role our country played in the mid-1800s as a safe haven for Americans escaping captivity via the Underground Railroad. This, however, is only half of the story. Like the United States, Canada has its own history of slavery, and it's a history we should never forget. It is often not discussed throughout the curriculums. Incorporating African slavery into Canada provides a more complete historical narrative of the African-Canadian pioneer perspective. It also places Africans here as early settlers who worked to build this nation alongside French and English colonists. Teaching and learning about Canadian slavery deflates the not-in-our-backyard myth that persists, that false notion that Canadians did not enslave Africans like our American neighbors. It also sheds light on the fact that Canada was the first British colony to implement legislation to move towards abolition in 1793, which had tremendous implications for black life and settlement during the 19th century. Equally important, the legacy of slavery through the persistence of racism could be identified and examined with the aim of furthering social justice. Although slavery is an awful portion of Canadian history, it has led to some great and important factors in Canadian history. Slavery in Canada has allowed for the creation of the Underground Railroad and the rising of Angelique. The Underground Railroad was a secret network of abolitionists who helped create African Americans escape from enslavement in the American South to free northern states or to Canada. It was the largest anti-slavery freedom movement in North America, having brought between 30,000 and 40,000 fugitives to British North America. The Underground Railroad was established in the early 19th century by a community of abolitionists based primarily in Philadelphia. Within a few decades, it had grown into a well-organized and dynamic network. The term Underground Railroad began to be used in the 1830s, coinciding with the advent of railroad technology, and long after an informal covert network to aid fugitive slaves had commenced. The Underground Railroad was not an actual railroad and it did not actually run on railway tracks. It was a complex, clandestine network of people and safe houses that helped Pearsons enslaved in southern plantations reach free soil in the north. Traveling along the Underground Railroad was a long and pertilicious journey for fugitive slaves to reach their freedom. Runaway slaves had to travel great distances, many times on foot, in a short amount of time. 
They did this with little or no food and no protection from the slave catchers chasing them. Slave owners were not the only pursuers of fugitive slaves. In order to entice others to assist in the capture of these slaves, their owners would propose reward posters offering payment for the capture of their property. If they were caught, any number of terrible things could happen to them. Many captured fugitive slaves were flogged, branded, jailed, sold back into slavery, or even killed. Mary Joseph Angelique, born circa 1705 in Madeira, Portugal, died June 21, 1734 in Montreal, Quebec. Angelique was an enslaved black woman who was owned by Therese de Cuagne de Francheville in Montreal. Angelique was brought to court where she was charged with arson, a capital offense that was punishable by death. The court system of New France during the 18th century stated that the accused were immediately assumed to be guilty. There was also no trials by jury, only inquisitional tribunals in which the defendant was meant to prove her innocence. Lawyers were banned from practicing in the colony by Louis XIV. On April 12, 1734, the 29-year-old Angelique was brought upon the judge, Pierre Rambeau. There were over 24 witnesses, all of which claimed that they believed Angelique had set the fires. One even said that they had seen her carry live coals to the roof of the house minutes before the fire. The court felt as though she wanted to be free of her enslavement so badly that she had set the fire to cover her tracks. After six weeks, she was found guilty and sentenced to death. She was to be tortured, hanged, and her body burned. While awaiting her death, she was adamant that she did not set the fire. Many officials wanted to close the book on this event forever, and it was forgotten in the archives for nearly two centuries. It resurfaced again in the 1920s, and then eventually the legacy of Angelique was well known. She is now acknowledged as an important figure in the resistance against slavery and an inspirational figure to many. Without slavery, the Underground Railroad and Angelique would not be well known and recognized in Canadian history. Slavery was a dark and horrific portion of Canadian history, but it was necessary for Canada to become the country it is today. The commencement of slavery has allowed for the Underground Railroad to become created and prominent figures such as Angelique to rise. The history of slavery in Canada is complex. The details are horrific, but the products such as the Underground Railroad and Angelique has added to the legacy of Canada. Without slavery, the legacy of Canada would be highly different, yet slavery should be discussed more in the curriculum.